Welcome to the Epic News Network podcast. I'm Phil Cross, the co-direct, one of the co-directors for the Epic News Network. It's a journalism program for students at Epic Charter Schools. And I'm Scott Carter, and I am the other co-director of ENN. This is our new podcast that we're going to be covering hopefully once a week, kind of talking about the big stories happening in Oklahoma, also touching on the big stories that are on the ENN website produced by our student journalist. Speaking of student journalists, we've got one of them joining us today, uh, helping co-host here in, uh, in the studio. We've got Brianna Monk. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Brianna. I'm a senior at Epic Charter Schools. I'm 17, and I am part of this journalism internship, which is amazing. Well, that's great for us to hear. I hope uh, our bosses are listening right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, so let's get started with the biggest news stories of the week. And I think, Scott, uh, as we've been talking kind of uh, in class and uh, between ourselves, I I think really the biggest story this week is this Medicaid petition. I mean, this has the uh, ability to impact literally everybody in Oklahoma. It does. It does. Uh, Once again, the general public has turned to the Constitution and uh, taken advantage of the initiative and referendum approach to develop policy. They circulated an initiative petition that would actually amend the Constitution and expand Medicaid coverage for the lowest income Oklahomans that either at or below the poverty level. I think it's 130 percent. They got 313,000 signatures for that, which is huge. It's well above uh, the number they needed by more than 100,000. So they're sending a very clear message to the legislature that they want something done. And that uh, once the signatures are certified, it will go to the ballot next fall. Brianna, you said you're 17, which means you're turning 18 real soon. Yes. This could potentially be the first thing that you get to vote on as a registered voter. Um, I guess how does that make you feel? I mean, what do you what do you think about kind of this petition as you're as you're just kind of learning about this process? Um, I definitely can tell that it's a very big deal with the 13,000 people signing. And I feel like I would also probably join them on that. Uh, Well, in addition to you're not only voting on Medicaid, you'll get this will be your first chance to vote for president. Yeah. Because that will be a presidential election next year. uh, And we'll elect uh, congressmen and uh, members of the legislature, too. So you could be a very busy voter, voter uh, beginning, what, next June? That's usually when the yeah. primary runoff, primary is, runoff's in August. See, so this is going to be, and we're putting you on the spot here, but how, how, do, you, how do you think you're going to prepare for learning how to vote and learning yeah, about these issues? That's a good question. What are you going to do? I mean, it's definitely a big process and something to listen to your family about and kind of learn on everything because it is a big deal. And I think after hearing about everything and learning on what president is going to do what, I think it'll be a pretty easy decision after that. And where do you get your information? I mean, your generation is telling our generation you need information presented in a different way. You're not going to the traditional newspaper or the nightly news broadcast. Where do you guys get information? Um, I think social media. We get a lot of information off social media based on what uh, 
what celebrities post and what big entertainment people post, and we get a lot of influence off that kind of stuff, I guess. So what social media platform? Because you guys are avoiding Facebook. So where are you going to get information that you trust? I'd say probably Twitter. Twitter? Or Instagram. Okay. How do you sort through? I mean, I mean, you're hit with, I mean, you're living in a social media world. Yeah. How do you sort through all those messages and know what's real and what's not? And um, a lot of people don't know what's real. They kind of just listen to it, which probably isn't the smartest thing for a lot of people, but they see things and then they spread it and... Ever, nobody knows if it's true or not until they do the research. Imagine. So you're going to do some research. Then. Yeah. Good for you. Good. That's a that's a good way to approach it. You know, I think the other big thing about this Medicaid uh, petition is the fact that again we're seeing the initiative petition process going through. We saw this with medical marijuana. We've seen this uh, with other tax issues, other funding issues. It is the, really the people telling 23rd and Lincoln, we want something done, and you're yeah, not doing it. It's not anything new. This goes back to literally uh, statehood when uh, the Constitution was developed. It was the Constitution. I don't think the ink was dry on the Constitution before people were availing themselves to the initiative and referendum process. Some of the rules have changed, the number of signatures, and uh, at the beginning of our history— uh, as a state, we were real good about verifying signatures and following the rules about how petitions went to the ballot and things like that. We've gotten a little better, but it is a part of Oklahoma history just as much as the land run and uh, every, you know, oil fields and everything else. It's uh, very popular, and it uh, you've seen uh, over the course of, of this, what are we more than 100 years old now? Yeah, uh, 112 years old. There have been many, many initiative petitions. I was doing some research one time and saw one that would have been uh, required journalists to be licensed by the state. Well, there's no room for problems with that. That's... No, well, it did, it did not make it, so. Yeah, thank goodness. Well, speaking about changing laws, let's talk about what's going on in the House. They've been pretty busy this week, uh, had a couple of interim studies. Uh, Brianna, tell us a little bit about the, the couple that you've been taking a look at here. Uh, one of the studies was actually on prescription labeling on for sight impaired. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I take prescriptions regularly. I... Uh, I have for years, and I've never thought about the idea about being sight impaired and how would you know, because it's just a, a paper label printed on a plastic bottle, how would you know what you're taking? Yeah, I don't know. What, what did they offer as suggestions? Um, some people actually put rubber bands on or like around their pill bottle to be able to tell which pill is what and when they need to take it. But it's still really hard for them to be able to tell, like, expiration dates and how many times they have to take it. A lot of people don't think of that kind of stuff whenever they're taking you're, their own medication. No, you're exactly right. And so what if somebody puts the wrong pills in your pill bottle with a rubber band? You have no way of knowing. Yeah. That's, um, wow, That's, that is an issue that needs to be, especially in light mm -hmm. of everything we're talking about with 
Medicaid expansion and healthcare and things like that, it's, it seems like a really simple issue that you would have thought would have been addressed many years ago. Some people actually have to, they rely on shaking their pill bottle to be able to tell the difference between each pill. The sounds? Yeah, yep. and the shapes of the pill. Hmm. Can they print out Braille? I wonder if they can print out like Braille labels for pill bottles. Yeah, I think yeah, they're actually they're trying to printers. create that kind of stuff. I mean, you, I've seen Braille labels on ATM machines in the drive through so you would think they, it would be easy adaptable on something like a label and plastic. Okay, so the other biggest thing happening in Oklahoma this week is uh, we said goodbye to our, you know, very nice one week of fall. <laughs> yeah, now we have the rainy monsoon season. Yeah, so, you know... Fall, nice couple of weeks in Oklahoma. I'd, I'd like it to stick around for a little bit more. But we're moving into kind of winter weather. And I think everybody had the same problem getting in whenever this you get into this fall and it's getting kind of drizzly. It's not really raining. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, like, p- driving in is just such a new hassle. Yeah, people lose their minds when it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. She beat me to it. So. <laughs> Yes, it's ugly out there, and it's what was I think the temperature was forty degrees today when I was coming in, and yeah. people were taking up more than one lane and driving too fast, and uh, it is the early onset winter here in Oklahoma. It feels like, but we're just a, a week away from Halloween now, and what a better time than to get out and enjoy some of those. You know, you, you know, do, do you have a plan on where you're going to go for some fall activities? Because I know a way you can find out, Brianna. One of our student journalists from the Epic News Network, his name is Joshua Sanders, uh, wrote an article actually for Halloween 2019 called The Five Haunted and Family-Friendly Attractions in Oklahoma, which consists of different events happening for Halloween, such as the Oklahoma City Zoo is holding their 36th annual Haunt the Zoo for Halloween. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of people out there. I've been to the Haunt the Zoo, and it's it's pretty impressive. It's fun. Yeah. I guess the big question that you have is, do you want something nice and wholesome and family-friendly, or do you you want the pants scared off of you? Yeah. (laughs) What do you prefer, Brianna? Um, I actually love being scared. I like the spooky stuff, you know? Of course she does. Yeah. Of course she does. So. But clowns I won't do. That stuff is a no-go. You know, I am one of these days I want to do the response story on how the clown community feels about that because my own kids, creepy clowns send them running for the door. And When did clowns become so scary? I mean, I, I guess why, why are you scared of clowns? Uh, probably the movie It I suppose was that, a big part okay, of so it. Okay, so we can blame Stephen King. Okay. Yes. Because <laughs> okay. I never really got the, I'm like, oh, they're clowns. They're fun clowns. I grew up watching Ho-Ho. Yeah. Ho-Ho rocked. Which was a clown. Yes, he was a clown. He was great. I like Bozo and... Yeah, and Ho-Ho had a little sock puppet puppet named Pokey. It looked kind of like a very early version of Kermit, but uh, he was pretty lippy. And yeah, I, I loved clowns, but they're not as popular now unless they're disem dismembering someone or things like that. Yeah, I think people, like, the vision of clowns brings them immediately to the 
bloody, scary clowns instead of the happy ones. So that kind of ruined it for me. Dude, it's been a long time since I was a teenager. And since you're sitting here, I'll ask, do teenagers not like clowns at all other than if they're scary? I mean, some might, yeah. But I feel like the majority are, I mean, from what I've seen, people feel the same way as I do. There are no clowns. That's just okay. how some people are. I do have to admit, the scene in the original Zombieland movie where the clown buys it, that was funny. <laughs> that was awesome. So, yes. Uh, all right. So, so if you want to make your pick for whether you want creepy and spooky or family-friendly, you can go to Epic News epicnewsnetwork.org. Check out Josh Sanders' piece there. A great little uh, explainer of kind of a a bunch of different events that you can go to. Pick out one uh, and have a blast. Now, the other thing that we can do in fall is hunting. It's it's coming into hunting season. I just saw a story kind of going around social media about a potential uh, record-breaking buck that uh, a young hunter got. uh, But that is actually becoming rare more rare for younger Oklahomans to get out and go hunting. They're not. They're not getting out. They're not doing it. Um, and hunting is a huge industry in Oklahoma. It's a multi-million-dollar industry. Hunting and fishing. Uh, you know, you go buy guns. You go buy equipment. Uh, you go to the restaurants and eat afterward or before. There's uh, companies that process the animals that you take. It's a huge. It's a huge industry and. Uh, the fewer people doing it, it's it you know it drives down the revenue for that. It's an interesting decline. And uh, Riley, our student journalist uh, Riley Eisenhower, uh, has a story on Epic News Network about this exact issue. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, Brianna. Yeah, so Riley did a story on the Wildlife Department for Oklahoma. She spoke to Casey Joyner, which is an officer with the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife. Joyner pretty much just said, kids are going to college, they're going away from their family farms and not enjoying enough outside, like fishing and hunting and doing what a lot of kids used to do. And pretty much with none of these kids, like buying their hunting license and all that kind of stuff, means that the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife doesn't make money, which means that we have no money to protect the Oklahoma's, you know, beautiful outdoors. I mean, it's kind of a real trickle down right there of, yep. you know, you don't do that. And the wildlife department is entirely self-funded through the sale of hunting and fishing licenses. They also get a, a portion of the tax when you buy a fishing pole or uh, right. hunting gear. They get a, a little portion of that and that helps fund these things. And, you know, it's it, I think it's important, even if you're not a hunter or a fisher, to... You know, you, you want to make sure that we get out there and enjoy the outdoors. Well, yeah. don't the, doesn't that also fund game rangers and things like mm-hmm. that? Who yeah. Patrol state parks and uh, protect people and, and protect the environment and the wildlife. That's well, I, all funded through the wildlife. Department. Well, I think the park rangers, I mean, the game wards do do wildlife stuff, but I think the park rangers are funded through the Department of Tourism. Okay. So you've got, you still have some protection for people there, but you just won't have the, you know, people monitoring for, you know, poaching and making sure that our endangered species are, you know, kind of taken care of, you know, a lot of that. There's, a, I mean, there's a lot out there that, you know, that it's a kind of a delicate balance out there in the wildlife. What's your favorite thing to do outdoors, Brianna? Um, I love going to a park. I love parks and 
you know, being with my family and playing volleyball or soccer outside or when I'm at my dad's, I go fishing. You fish? I you like to fish? I absolutely love fishing. And I go That's with my awesome. best friend, Kylie. That's We do that every weekend. We go to her Nana's and Asher and we go fishing. Oh, that sounds like a perfect weekend. Yes. That would, that would be it's fun. Amazing. My dad was a great fisherman. He loved it. <laughs> I love taking my daughter out to go fishing. She's uh, in second grade and she'll just sit there and this most intent, like, you know. Okay, so big question, do you put the bait on the hook yourself, or do you have somebody else do it? Oh, I do that myself. All right. I'm yes. impressed. I'm impressed. Her stock just went up as an outdoor reporter. <laughs> That's what my, my girls, they love I Actually, I think before she liked fishing, she just liked the playing with the worms, you know, and yeah. <laughs> just getting in there. I have a picture of her with a worm on her head, <laughs> saving for her wedding. Oh, uh, she'll <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, Speaking of outdoors, though, uh, another story, I'm going to kind of move this up in the kind of the rundown, is Deborah Horn's sea perch story, which is a fantastic way that Epic students are learning how to protect the environment themselves and how to clean up our river waste. Uh, how are they doing that, Brianna? Um, so we actually have a class. Well, it's a sea perch program, and some Epic students are actually offered this program, one of our EPIC teachers actually uh, uses this program for some of her students to see the potential underwater robot program. So they're and building robots. Yeah. And these robots that they're actually building are to potentially clean up the ocean, like all the plastic bottles and wrappers and all the bad stuff that's That way my friend oceans. sea turtles aren't ingesting... Yeah. Straws and paper cups and stuff like that. Yes. And that's pretty cool. Underwater robots? That's yeah. That's very sweet. Moving on to uh, kind of the other sh big story on epicnewsnetwork.org right now. One that I know that sh uh, the reporter's been working on for a couple of weeks now. Really big issue that I didn't even know about. It's pandas, and we're not talking about the bears. Brianna? I actually have – I did not know this was even a thing. It's kind of insane. Um so we actually have one of our students from our journalism program, Ren Kirsch. She did a story about this autoimmune disease called pandas. Uh, a lot of people, when they think of pandas, they think of the cute little bear. But this is actually a very serious autoimmune disease that a lot of people have faced. And they're just kind of still figuring out how to get rid of this disease and get people healthy again. There was a big study. Um, there was a Pandas Awareness Day out at the state capitol. There was a legislative study on it. I think one of the real interesting parts of Wren's story is how a lot of the people who have suffered from this disease were misdiagnosed as either autistic or having some other uh, intellectual disability. And it, uh, it wasn't. It was an autoimmune disease. And once they get treatment and they can they can uh, get or you know get ahead of it, they uh, it's life changing. And I'm kind of like everybody else here. I had no idea about this. I did not know it existed before I read her story. So it's a fascinating take on something that uh, uh, I, I hope that they keep studying and do some research on and come up with a, a serious cure because it's. Uh, it's debilitating. Absolutely. Well, 
Guys, we are about out of time, so we're going to wrap it up right now. Uh, we've covered a lot here. Uh, we want to hear from you. If you have some topics that you'd like to hear us discuss or have a comment on one of the stories, hop on to epicnewsnetwork.org. Check us out on our social sites as well and join us back here again uh, next week as we kind of discuss what else is happening in the crazy world of news and ENN. So for Scott Carter, Brianna Monk, and myself, Phil Cross, we'll see you next time.